we're not just physical beings here to, you know, get married, have kids, punch in your time card. We are meant to experience life in different ways and then access those parts of ourselves that we're not that are limiting us and not allowing ourselves to really go for things we want and do the things we want. That's Shadi Sadeki. I'm Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kara. I'm excited for you to be here today. Let's tell everyone your name, where you are in the world, and what you're up to. Sure. My name is Shadi Sadegi, and I am right now, I'm in Orange County, California. Um, a former East Coaster that's moved to California just recently. And what I'm up to is I have my own business and I am a Jungian coach and soon to be, probably by the time this podcast comes out, an emotion code practitioner. Well, I have so many questions. So what is a Jungian coach? It is a type of depth psychology. So Jungian psychology is uh, depth psychology. So it's it's a more deeper uh, model of psychology. And the type of coaching that I do has this foundation of depth psychology. And it is based on the work of Carl, Dr. Carl Jung. He was a psychiatrist and a psychologist, a pioneer. He was a mentee of Freud, actually. And um, really, he and Freud, when they uh, I guess you could say popularized psychology um, in the early 20th century, they uncovered aspects of the psyche, the human psyche, which involved the unconscious mind. And they uncovered really through their experience in psychoanalysis that uh, there is much more to the human psyche than what we are even aware of. Uh, And that it's almost like this uh, well of information that the individual himself doesn't often even know or see, but it is yet driving our behavior and our actions and our results in life and our outcomes. Who so, it? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, so where this comes in with the coaching, so I'm not a therapist. I want to be clear. Um, and uh, the coaching aspect is that our potential is in our unconscious mind. So we can tap this unlimited well of potential and what I call power, really our power, through the unconscious mind, through Jungian coaching. Who are the type of people that have like come to you for this help? Who do you, who, I'm sure everyone needs it because it sounds like everyone does, but who is this really made for? That's a great question. Um, on this side, the way I see it, the way it has impacted my own life, that's the thing. It's it's not just one niche that can it can help. Um, because any problem or any challenge or any goal you're wanting to attain, this process, this work, which involves um uh, a, a type of tool, essentially, I call it a tool called shadow work. Shadow work came from um Carl Jung. It's rooted in Jungian psychology, um, it can help anyone with any problem. And um, it's been hard for me to just pin down one type of niche. So so really, if I zoom out, um, this 
path helps us to become more awakened to our Mm -hmm. true selves and to our purpose. And so those are the people. So people who come to me typically have a sort of challenge or a roadblock that they feel like they keep getting uh, hitting Mm -hmm. or at least that's where I was when I sought out Jungian coaching for the first time seven years ago before I even became a coach myself. And um, it was that I felt stuck and I kept mm-hmm. having the same experiences over and over, like Groundhog Day, the movie Groundhog Day. Yeah. And I kept having the same experiences. Typically, people who come to me are, are having similar experience. And it is because it is time for them to really expand awareness um, mm-hmm. and integrate an aspect of themselves they have repressed or rejected or denied, but they just don't know how they don't, they don't have the tools mm-hmm. and I am helping to guide them. I really, I see it as like, I'm the Sherpa that's helping you to climb Mount Everest, but life is Mount Everest for everyone. Could yeah. be a small Mount Everest, could be a large. <laughs> Mount Everest. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you went after it for yourself seven years ago. What were you frustrated with continuing to deal with? You're like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like, who's going to help me break through this and either let it go or just not have it be in my blind spot anymore? Yeah. So I, I think at that time I was frustrated with the two primary subjects that I think everyone talks about and thinks about, especially women, it was love and relationships. Mm-hmm. And then my career. Yeah. I was frustrated because I was like, why do I why is it everywhere I go, I don't feel valued in terms mm-hmm. of my career or work? And I know I'm 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 a great employee. I work hard. I'm smart. But I, I kept feeling undervalued mm-hmm. and underappreciated. And then with love and relationships, I'm like, I keep it. It's emotion, emotionally unavailable. It's like the tagline, emotionally unavailable. I kept encountering that. And I'm like, okay, I'm the common denominator <laughs> in those situations. <laughs> Yeah, hmm. and and I came across uh, my mentors um, who were doing back then it was webinars, um, free webinars, and I was like, it, it resonated so deeply. What they were saying was that we are creating our lives, even yeah. even the kind of yucky stuff, the crappy stuff. Um, it's not that we're making bad things happen, or you know, we're making our boss bad. You know, I'm creating, I'm magically creating this like bad boss that comes into my life. No, but it is. The fact the pattern is telling us number one, we are creating it for sure. Number two, our response to the situation is our, it's like ingrained in us and it's unconscious to us unless we bring it to awareness. There's the, uh, one of my favorite sayings is I'm creating you, creating me. Yeah. And it's just like it's such a heady thing to get to wrap around sometimes, but we don't realize how who we're being is then causing whoever we're interacting with to be a different way. Cause we're so in tuned at a unconscious level about how someone's feeling or reacting. And I actually shared a post with a friend of mine last night of this dad who caught himself, his daughter called him out and she was like, are you okay? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And he realized by him just saying he was fine and brushing off her acknowledgement of what he was thinking about he was actually shutting down her intuition and her knowing. And so he went back to her and said, hey, thanks for asking. You noticed that I was thinking about something that made me feel stressed out. But I want you to know I'm okay. I'm just thinking about it and processing it. But your intuition was correct. 
And I was like, what a beautiful gift, because I think so much of the work that you probably have to do is because so many of us have been trained culturally to stop listening. (laughs) Well, and to suppress what we're feeling. Yeah. Um, Because um, that's what society, I mean, it's almost like not only does society reinforce that, but we don't want to feel uncomfortable. So then we're like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. And then we don't deal with what's coming up. And actually gold is in what's coming up. And Mm -hmm. it's very challenging um, sometimes to work with clients that really just dodge. They don't, they don't want to go there. They don't want to go to the dark place. And I'm like, that's really the only way it's called shadow work, you know? Mm So you have to go to the dark place and really face it. And then you start to realize like, oh, it's not so bad. Oh, it's not, it's not that big, horrible monster that we thought it was. Yep. The only way through is through for better or worse. The only way through is through. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you reclaim your power that way too. Mm -hmm. What was the pivot point for you to go from receiving this coaching to saying, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life? So um, I'm going to be honest with you. It really wasn't that clear. Yeah. Um, so really what Young uncovered is that human beings are on this path of individuating, essentially making the the unconscious aspects that they're not aware of within themselves um, essentially come to the surface, bring it to light, have them become aware of it. And as a result, the more they reclaim those parts of themselves that they have repressed, they are becoming more whole. It's like the iceberg, right? It's mm-hmm. just of water. But most of us go through our whole lives um, thinking that we're just the tip of the iceberg, which is like, well, this is my identity. This is just who I am. I'm just an introvert. I can't change. That's not why we're here. <laughs> we are meant to expand. We are meant to do the, you know, the hard stuff, look at the hard mm-hmm. stuff and really look at those aspects of ourselves that we're afraid to look at or that we kind of push away. And it's very subtle. It's very automatic. Um, and really embrace it so that we become more whole. And this is what in the East they call a uh, spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. And so it's a spiritual awakening because we think that we're just physical and we're not just physical beings here to, you know, get married, have kids, punch in your time card, just go home, you know, same route, same kind of mm-hmm. thing every day. We are meant to experience life in different ways and then access those parts of ourselves that we're not that are limiting us and not allowing ourselves to really go for things we want and do the things we want. And so it's I really I I went through this journey of awakening and it was like at a point of when you are awakened you really can't turn back. <laughs> you can't unsee it, you can't undo yeah. it. It's filled milk and um so so because I had Jungian coaches um I I was on that path already and um of awakening essentially to my mm-hmm. to my true self to all the aspects of myself for decades that I you know have repressed and and it's very subtle things it's not like massive traumas i mean a lot of people think that's what shadow work will uncover um it's just it's just your patterns you're literally mm-hmm. calling yourself out on your own patterns and how and you're taking ownership of what you have created in your life and that is awakening that is it's awakening to your own bs (laughs) (laughs) and owning it and um i went through that experience 
in real time. And uh, that's when I, it hit me. I I cannot work for somebody else anymore. I was working in corporate. Um, I were, I lived in D.C. D.C. is very, um, uh, it's a capital. It's the capital of America, right? So it's very much like power centric. It's all about ironic because now that I'm on the West Coast, L.A. is like this. It's all about what you do, who you know, right? D.C. Mm-hmm. is very much like that, very ego driven. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I felt like I, I had outgrown it. I was like, mm-hmm. this is not who I am anymore. And my job doesn't define me anymore. And, uh, you know, the the letters behind my name don't define me. And I'm much more than this. And I, I want to figure out who that is. And I want to work for myself. And I want to have freedom. And so, um, and really, when you become awakened, you just, it's like a shift. You just see the world in a different way. And you just, you just want to tell people, like, <laughs> yeah. you have the power, you have, like, you don't even know you're, you are co-signing or opting into certain uh, relationships or certain jobs and dynamics. You're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> it's all you. It's, you know, it's not your fault. It's your power. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I was like, I gotta, I gotta do this. It's like, I have to, I have to, I have all this wisdom. I went through the path myself. I want to share it with the world. Um, and I want to impact as many people as I can from all walks of life. Um, and it's about becoming more conscious. You mm-hmm. are essentially by, by reclaiming those unconscious aspects of yourself, you are becoming more conscious as a human being. And here with that comes physical changes even, and like spurts of energy and these, um, experiences that I went through that I want to help others through and I want to share with others as well. I think you and I have a shared mission of moving people into that power. I mean, it's why Powerful Ladies got created. It's the coaching I do. Um, Nothing makes me more crazy than someone saying they want something and then not doing anything about it. (laughs) But um, it's like, especially knowing that we have the wisdom that we need. We have the capabilities. It's really just a matter of, are you actually going to choose yourself? Yeah. And, you know, I think what's also frustrating, and I'm curious if you experience this too, like for people who are on a growth and personal expansion journey, I still find myself hitting that a ceiling, right? Because we expand and hit the ceiling. Like we've maxed out in that room, like Alice in Wonderland, and it's so uncomfortable to break through the ceiling. It's so frustrating. And then we, you break through and then you're laughing at yourself again for still being frustrated, knowing that this keeps happening. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, I think, I mean, I know, I know personally entrepreneurship is also like the fastest way to um, awaken <laughs> and yeah. like expand because you are constantly, like you said, hitting limits and you're hitting walls. And then I think that when you just zoom out and mm-hmm. expect walls to be there and you don't make it mean anything, then it's not, you just expect it. It's just like, oh, okay, here's another one. Aha, okay, I got this one. Or like, I may, maybe I don't. And maybe this is a time for me to ask for help because I'm always mm-hmm. like holding myself up and never asking for help. So it's yeah. like, okay, how can I maneuver around this wall this time? But I think that like, I think the funny thing is that we expect life not to be easy. I don't want to say easy because yes, life can be easy, but these challenges are intended to make us grow mm-hmm. and to change something. 
they're happening for a reason. I mean, even and it's reflected in society. And if you look, the reason history keeps keeps repeating itself in certain world events is because people are not owning their shit. Excuse yeah. my friend. No, you're they're allowed to swear on here. <laughs> owning, okay, great. I love it already. So they're not owning their own pain. And so mm-hmm. what we do is we keep projecting it onto other people. Yeah. And when you actually take responsibility for your own pain, and this is why I also love coaching more than therapy is because therapy is great. Listen, we all need therapy at one point in our lives and it's wonderful and brave to do therapy, but it's not so much focusing on what did mom and dad do to me. And, you know, I'm just, I'm stuck. This is just what I am. I have ADHD and like, I just, I can't do anything about it. No, like you, it's your responsibility now to take what you experience, those, the conditioning, mm-hmm. the experiences that you've had, the the challenges that you had to learn a different way around it, or maybe to see, I know a big one for me, uh, a big lesson for me was I, I, I'm a daughter of immigrants. So that is a very, it is a hard life being, you know, being a child of of immigrants is a hard life. So then you grow up expecting life to be hard. So what do you do? You're going to create a hard life. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so I think the, one of the greatest lessons for myself was realizing that, holy crap, I'm creating a hard life because that was my conditioning and life doesn't have to be hard. So that actually made it easier that when challenges would come up or when there would be times when I'm like, I can't do this, I'd be like, oh, okay, it's just, you know, my inner drama queen showing up again. All right, cool. It's it's similar to people who have been raised with like a family that yells. And yes. then you date someone who's quiet and you're like, they must not care. They're not yelling. And you're like, no, like you are the psychopath in the situation. Like people don't need to yell right. to show love. So right. oh, it, it yeah. is the, yeah. the stories that we create about how life is supposed to function is it's our hilarious entertaining and we need to remember that that's what we're doing so we can break out of it if we want to yeah Um, if we want to exactly um so you mentioned that you were in dc did you grow up in the dc area i grew up in baltimore maryland yeah nice yeah and (laughs) i i heard um my team did some research and they heard that you were also a casa advocate out there or part of casa I was. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good one. I was. And it was for a short time um, because soon after I I actually I left, I, I moved abroad. Mm-hmm. So um, I moved abroad for a year. I did a sabbatical before I moved to California. And I was, and it was an incredible experience. Do you want to share or should I share what it costs? You can you can share what it is. Yeah. So a Casa Volunteer is um it is for children who go through the foster system. They, uh, the CASA volunteer is a representative on behalf of the child. Um, and it could be an adult child, actually, even. So uh, in it's incredible to me that we have such a sophisticated system to help these kids through the foster system in America. You know, there is the social worker, of course, there's the, there's a legal team. Um, there are the people who are in the foster, you know, you know, the actual parents, foster parents, there are, um, the ones that are in the, um, the homes that are, you know, kind of in between the halfway, I don't like them half, they're not called halfway homes, but the, the group homes that, you know, we facilitate, putting the kids in foster homes. And then there is the CASA volunteer who cultivates a relationship with the child um, or teenager to really uh, be able to um, 
express and convey their needs and their whatever experiences it's like it's like big brother big sister kind of experience and i but it's court uh court appointed essentially and so it's very legal and you are it's a it's a very serious volunteering job it's not just any old volunteering job and you are dedicated really to your person to that foster mm -hmm. child to help navigate help them navigate the best path for them to thrive I love it. It's a, I'm on their, um, like charity committee for some of their galas here in Orange County. So, um, yeah, I'll let you know where we're going. If you want to come hang out with us, but it's, oh, I, awesome. when I found out about it, 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 um, it was such an obvious yes, because it's actually a nonprofit that works and you can see how it works and it's very transparent and the impacts statistically are off the charts. Like, yeah, I'm we need the CASA for, you know, people who are leaving the criminal justice system and we need the CASA for other places. So I was thinking that I was like, there's some adults that could use this <laughs> yeah. Well, beyond just the foster system. I think yeah. it's a thing. Yeah, but it's one of the things that um, powerful ladies, volunteers um, and contribute to every year. Um, I love being a part of it. So when I saw that pop up, my team's like, oh, she knows it, too. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, that's a wonderful yeah. idea. I'd love to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. We'll follow up after. Sure. Um, so what was it that, well, first I want to know where you went abroad because I, I used to live abroad too. I love traveling. So where did you go? So um, I had a vision before I left DC of um, what looked like the Italian countryside. Mm -hmm. And I was like, something in me was like, I saw, I saw, I saw myself on my deathbed and I had never had this experience, the Italian experience or the European experience. And I was like, I need to do this. And I literally was like, I have nothing holding me back. Um, I have no reason not to do this. So I, I took a sabbatical. I literally bought a one-way ticket to Italy. And I remember, of course, anyone I told was like, oh, the eat, pray, love experience. Is that what you're doing? And I was like, I mean, I guess <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. Sure. This is my own maybe. And um, because I I only had a tourist visa, I couldn't stay in um, in e the EU really for more than three months. So right at the three month mark, I hopped over to the, to Cyprus, um, and it was also February. So Cyprus is the warmest place in Europe, and had that experience. So basically, I hopped. I ended up hopping, which was unexpected, but it, it was it was something I needed and something I wanted. And uh, after I've been working for somebody else since I was 15, I've had a mm -hmm. job since 15. And I felt like I just needed to get out of the United States. I needed to experience life outside of the United States. I mean, I've done like study abroad. Gosh, I was like 21. That doesn't count. And, um, you know, we've all traveled. We've done these like vacations one week at a time. I wanted to, to know what it felt like to live outside of to live, like grocery shop and mm -hmm. you know, walk to your nearest bakery, coffee shop, meet people in a European country. And Italy came to me. Now I think what I was picturing was actually the uh, Laguna Beach shoreline. That's <laughs> <laughs> because that's where I ended up anyway. And I'm like, this is home. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, but that's what I did. And so from Cyprus, then I came back to the States for my best friend's wedding. And then I went to another friend's wedding in India. So I, I just went, I was like, mm -hmm. I'm doing this. And then from India, I was trying to get out of India to go back to Europe. It was so expensive to fly straight back to Europe. And I just Googled the cheapest flight out and it was the Maldives. So I was like, oh, tough life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, I'm going to the Maldives. And I thought I was only going to go for a week or two, but I loved it so much. And it was quite affordable because it was a low, um, low season at that time. And I stayed for a month. And that was mind blowing experience because most people just go in and out of the Maldives, mm-hmm. just go to the um, resort and then they leave. I wanted to experience local culture in the, in the Maldives. And uh, most people don't know about the local culture at all. And that was very eye opening. Then from there, I went to um, Vienna. And I thought I wouldn't like Vienna. I mean, I thought I was going to be like in and out of Vienna. I fell in love with Vienna. It is the number one uh, most livable city in the world for like 12 years straight. I didn't know that. And then um, I saw Hungary. I saw Slovenia. And then I went to Croatia and I loved Croatia. I lived in Croatia. And then I ended I ended it all in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to see the northern part of Italy in the summertime. Yeah. And that's when I finished. I love that. Yeah, I mean, for uh, a self-love language is traveling. And I, a similar, I I don't know how people can really experience everything that this life and this planet has to offer if we don't leave our home country. Exactly. And we don't go for a, like you kind of hit the nail on the head, like you have to go away long enough to figure out how to function on your own. in this other place so it's it's different when you have to feed yourself and you have to go beyond the tourist center which usually has things in english no matter where you are and then there's an element that i think this has come up recently talking to people someone was saying the other day how they keep running into people who don't seem very nice and i'm like well i think there's a you and then this common denominator but it made me realize that what they were actually saying was that they've been disappointed in how people haven't been helpful. And I was like, well, you to show for people to show that they're helpful, you have to ask them for help first. So people don't just volunteer these things. And something that has completely shifted how I see humanity is by being in situations where I had to trust that they were going to take care of me. And I don't know how you grew up, but like growing up in, what's that? So we're getting into the good stuff now. (laughs) The young and psych stuff comes in. Well, like growing up in the 80s, 90s, like my mother kept feeding me like after school specials and these, you know, dateline things that basically tell you to trust no one. Right. Yeah. And that, especially men, men, if you're a female, men are scary. Don't trust them. Don't ask them for help. Don't get in their cars. I mean, I'm sure like the fact that we use Ubers all the time now is a whole cultural mental shift of getting into strangers' vehicles. But it's when you are in a place where you cannot figure this out by yourself, you need shelter, you need food, you need directions. And to just trust that these people in the universe are going to take care of you, it shifts how you think about everything. And you can't get that if you don't leave your bubble. Exactly. And well, it's those challenges again, right, that we were talking about earlier. The only way you can realize something needs to change is if you have to be tested, if you're tested. Mm -hmm. And um, so the whole trust thing, what's interesting about that is that, and I think this is why travel is amazing and entrepreneurship is is the fastest way to actually not just learn to trust the world, but learn to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Because however much you distrust the world, it's reflecting how much you distrust yourself. 
And it's not even about like, oh, I trust myself to like get this job done, but it's, it's about trusting yourself to be okay, no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. And most of us panic and think that no, like, like if this happens and then I'm going to (laughs) die, or like, if this happens, then I'm not going to survive or I'll be, you know, the, 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 um, uh, what's the term? Um, uh, like, uh, laughing, laughing stock. That's the yeah. <laughs> like laughing goat. No, like <laughs> laughing stock. Uh, English wasn't my first language. Um, so the laughing stock, you know, and so people mm-hmm. stop themselves mm-hmm. before they go for that thing or take a risk or, or, you know, take a year long sabbatical to just with a one-way ticket to Europe. And I was just like, at that point, I was like, I trust myself to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I will figure it out. And then whatever comes up. And I was like, at this point, I know enough that I can, that whatever comes up in my reality, I can work with. I can do the shadow work and I can figure out that it's showing me my mind. It's showing me where I need to essentially bring awareness to that aspect of myself. Mm-hmm. Trust is is really, it's a big one. And can I tell you something else? Please. That um, this is a fun fact, and I think your listeners are going to love this one, but how we trust the world is actually based on um, how how our relationship with our mother was, because the mother, the feminine, represents the earth, the world, the the essentially the material world, and how we mother our business or our projects is also based on how we were mothered or our perception of how we were mothered. Yeah. And we internalize that. And that is one of the unconscious patterns that we kind of take on and we don't realize it. And I, you know, uh, for all you perfectionists out there, and I, you know, I am a former recovering perfectionist, <laughs> but um, a reformed perfectionist, um, I, I was also raised by a very, a perfect mother. <laughs> like my mother was perfect. And she was perfect in the sense of expecting the best at all times in everything. And I think that's a wonderful thing. But when it's when it becomes an unconscious pattern, it becomes almost like a compulsion. Mm-hmm. And we realize it. And, and yeah. we OCD about things. And it's like that is how we're mothering everything. And it becomes almost controlling and smothering. And that is the shadow side, right, of of, um, that experience that we want to kind of become aware of and integrate and then say, okay, what do I actually want to consciously choose? How do I want to mother Mm -hmm. projects or this business or these relationships even? Well, and, and going back to the like darkness versus light, the visual that pops up for me is if we're operating like we're a circle. And most of us are operating in maybe like a little wedge, like one piece of the pie has light, the rest has dark. And the more that we're going to work in these areas that we can't see, that are blind spots, that we don't know, we we get to make the circle brighter. And it's right. like, it's like you're using more of your brain right? and you have more of these tools. And I think that's where you said it earlier, like we get more powerful when we look at all these things that we don't know we're operating under. Because then we get to make choices in the moment versus wake up and realize, wait, why yesterday? Like, when did I ever make a choice? <laughs> like, 
Right. Was I present ever? Did I choose? No, it's any like of conditioning. It? It's like <laughs> the conditioning pattern that's running the program. That's like, oh, if someone asks you for a favor, say yes, because that's what I've always done. That's the people pleaser in me, right? Yeah. But then, but what's uncomfortable is that people they tend to look at the external situation and address the external first, which yeah. is, well, I'm just going to tell them no. And, and then they're super uncomfortable because it's going against their pattern. It's deeply ingrained. And then they're like terrified. They're like, oh my gosh, like, especially if it's like family members, or loved ones, or, uh, you know, your sibling. And if I tell them no, then they're going to hate me. It's this, it's bringing up this innate human fear of being rejected by the tribe. Mm-hmm. And so that is what's driving us. And we yeah. give it to it and then we think no everyone just takes from me and like like I I'm I'm just they don't even realize that they're creating this people pleasing pattern you know and we have the power to change it you have to go towards the emotion the discomfort Mm -hmm. of it and Jung said that you know insight is great awareness is great and this is again not to knock therapy (laughs) (laughs) there but I mean this is what you do you keep rehashing like yeah these are my patterns and that was I did therapy in my I think in my mid-20s and I and I was like, yeah, okay, I already know all of this stuff, but nothing's mm-hmm. changing. You know what yeah. I mean? Transformation is in the emotion. So when you actually mm-hmm. sit with the fear or observe it and say like, why am I so afraid of saying no to someone? Why? Mm-hmm. It's that interesting. I wonder why. And like examining that, you know, and then you can see that you start to peel back the layers and realize that you're kind of opting into this dynamic with this person to always say yes, or mm-hmm. um, always be the person that they need, or, um, you know, and, and then you start to realize these dynamics are shaped based on that identity that they see you as. Mm-hmm. And that's on you, that you can change that. But most of us think they know, but this is just how I am. You are not your conditioning. You are not how you were raised. You are not, we're not even as women, you know, there are societal ceilings, mm-hmm. like you said. We're not those either. And that's up to us if we want to shatter those ceilings or not. The only thing we actually are, I think, is love. That's it. So right. if it's not in the, if you're not feeling love, if you're not feeling love towards other people, there's a missing. The So often I'm giving my clients permission to do what they know to do. And one of my favorite dis- like tools to work with is the phrase that every breakdown you're having is because you have commitments and conflict. So if we can identify the commitments you have, like I don't want to disappoint my sister, but I also don't have the money or the time, or I don't want to do it. If we can yeah. separate those, we can start to work with on them individually. But it's such a to be able to see the commitments underneath the critique or the concern or the thing, it shifts. It's like such a great communication tool. And that's where I learned it from, like a, commu- a communication program. But it changes so much when you realize it's not the the problem is the symptom of what we actually care about. So how can we make it an and statement instead of a but <laughs> statement? Exactly. Like, so it's, it's yeah. Because the ego thinks that it can't it can't do the and statement. It can, it yeah. thinks it can only be one or the other in order to survive. So that's why we, we stay stuck in the survival mode. Yeah. And, you know, especially by midlife, it's like, I'm tired of just you know, treading under, you know, treading water constantly and being in survival mode all the time. Mm-hmm. I want to create from passion, from inspiration, from creativity, yeah. from love, you know, and, and, 
not because I have to, or because I'm obligated to, or because I have a duty. And that can be fine too, you know, Mm -hmm. but we want to choose it, not feel like, oh, I have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. When you think of the words powerful and ladies, what are those definite, what are those definitions to you? And do they change when those words are next to each other? Oh, so when I think of the word powerful, I honestly, I, I, to me, it's, it's synonymous with, um, empowered. So knowing your own power, embodying your own power, owning it and power is in our shadow is in the parts of ourselves that we've disowned or we don't like, and really seeing the illusion that they're not really dark, you know, or bad or negative things. And then ladies, I mean, I'm going to say something that's probably a little scandalous, but um, I I think that there is a reason, a bio, I mean, there's a biological reason that girls mature faster than boys and that, you know, uh, women are, um, um, why do words keep escaping me today? Um, they are, um, they can multitask. <laughs> I'm a poor example of that, right? (laughs) Um, So they can multitask, whereas men are more single lane focused, right? I mean, brain studies have shown that. And um, I also think that, I think that when I think of the word ladies, ladies are, women are meant to sort of lead this movement of awakening to your power. And I think we're seeing it reflected in in society in that um, you have to go through your shadow work, whether you're conscious of it or not, you're going to go through your dark night of your soul. And women went through it, have been going through it for the last like 20, 30, 40 years Mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, uh, in many ways on an individual level, on a collective level. And um, I think when I think of the word ladies, I think of, of we are leading the movement to help people become empowered and more whole and autonomous mm-hmm. and um and creators and even you know bigger manifestors quote unquote but creators of their own mm-hmm. lives and with the words together i think that's it it's embodied mm-hmm. embodied women that's what i think how does epigenetics tie into the jungian approach cuz so for people who don't know the epigenetics is emotions and traumas and pain that are being passed on to you genetically and the reason this can happen is because you were an egg inside your mother inside your grandmother so whatever your grandmother was feeling was definitely passed to your mother and in utero and it gets passed to you like there's a there's a chain of what the maternal line has felt is that the very rough version. Please go Google a <laughs> real definition. But how does that tie into the Jungian approach? And how, like, are you helping people unpack that as well? So, you know, um, I'm going to be honest. I personally felt like I hit a wall with regards to approaching that um, with from a Jungian psychology perspective. Um, it's, I, I see it as it is your conditioning. So your mm-hmm. epi- the epigenetics, what you inherit um, is also the conditioning you are taking on because how your parents respond to certain situations, stress situations is 
yes, it is in our DNA, but it they are also choosing certain habits and rea- mm-hmm. reactions in that real-time situation. And children observe, and they either fully identify with it and take it on, or they reject it. It's mm-hmm. one or the other, depending on how they think they'll survive, how the mind thinks it'll survive. So, so yes, epigenetics is our conditioning, and that's from the Jungian perspective, but that's why I got into motion code. So um, I actually, I felt like um, I was starting to encounter uh, generational cycles that was showing up in my own behavior. And I was like, this, this is a weird response. Like, this doesn't feel like mine. Like it felt yeah. like, like my ancestors are like in my ear and like, you should be doing this. And I'm like, oh, this is old. Like this felt old. And, um, and so that is when I, I started to read about emotion code and I reached out to actually, it was my first Jungian coach, um, that I got who is now certified in emotion code and body code. And she and I started working together. And, um, that is when I uncovered this, a uh, sort of the metaphysical aspect of this work, the energy mm-hmm aspect mm-hmm. of this work, which is that emotions are energy. And so through through shadow work, we uncover um, your unconscious, essentially, you know, these repressed aspects of yourself, which are your emotions. Emotions are energy. So we are spending so much energy repressing this energy. And that is this potential that I talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So when you bring it to light, when you bring it to, to the surface, then you are reclaiming that potential, that energy. You are freeing it and you are, um, I guess, transforming it. Mm-hmm. And through the emotion code, I have learned that um, on a deeper scale. So it's like, if you look at the model of the psyche, the Jungian model of the psyche, um, you start to, shadow work starts on a personal level. It's really uncovering the personal unconscious. And then with time, the more you do that, it's like the iceberg, right? It gets deeper, mm-hmm. comes above water. It goes down more into your accessing the collective unconscious. So this is sort of the ancestral epigenetics. Mm-hmm. You are uncovering, I'm getting goosebumps as I'm talking about, you are <laughs> uncovering the uh, patterns of behavior that your ancestors really experienced and passed mm-hmm. on to their kids. And um I I felt like emotion code was really uh, efficient and so much faster because mm-hmm. a lot you know a lot of this can be physical. It can manifest yeah. physically in our ailments. If you know if you know if every woman in your family had fibromyalgia and it's passed down, that's epigenetics, right? And it's like no, it the buck ends with me. <laughs> like the buck stops. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> the buck stops with me. And so emotion code helped me to really address the inherited stuff a mm-hmm. lot more and release it. And it is like, it's been really interesting what comes up because I'll have memories that are not mine just show mm-hmm. up and I'm releasing them. And it's like, holy cow, that's really fascinating. I mean, that's just yeah. how deep the well is, right? That we can access. One of the most fascinating things I saw recently, and this might be too woo-woo for some people, but there is a psychologist team. I don't remember if they're in Austria or Germany. They were speaking German, but they have uncovered research that whenever someone has claimed to have a poltergeist experience, that it was actually their own trauma being out, like being released. So obviously there's a jump between humans' abilities when 
having such extreme energetic emotion to be able to do something telepathically, that part they didn't explain. But it was simply that like things that we didn't even know we were dealing with become so big and they're so heavy and they're so extreme that we have to release it some way to survive. And it's showing up in this poltergeist component. As soon as someone went to therapy, worked on it, did like release in other capacities, the poltergeist experiences stopped. Incredible. I think that's so nerdy and fascinating. I <laughs> love it and I it, believe it. <laughs> it. But it all fits into that space, right? Like if if who we are at our purest form is that energy, it, when we're not responsible for it, you and I know on an emotional level when we're not responsible, like we can change an entire room. Like it happens at family dinners all the time. If one person's oh. angry, suddenly oh. everyone's like, Whoop. Feel it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, like I said, the emotion code really opened my eyes to that, uh, the metaphysical side of this work, which, you know, God bless him, Young died before he could explore that and really, mm-hmm. you know, read about it. And I don't, and I, like you said, I think it is very taboo in the field of psychology. Um, and it is just now starting to make a boom, uh, you know, like Joe Dispenza and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these these thought leaders coming out to talk about the metaphysical aspects um, of, and the energetics. And I'm starting to, to I'm just starting to see the world in that way myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's much deeper. It's much deeper than the, you know, this, the psychology stuff was great. And it took me as far as it did. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, okay, I want to go a little deeper. Yeah. Um, with understanding energy and because if we attract what we are right which is the shadow work so that is where the shadow work comes in and it's like okay that person is mirroring back to you aspects of yourself um that you can uncover and love and accept right and transform then that takes it to a whole other level with regards to energetic work yeah Yeah. well and so much of it um that falls into the metaphysical space seems new and progressive but so much of it's tied to ancient wisdom that yes, exactly women in particular used to hold exactly. and so it's it's really yeah. interesting to see all of it coming back together and i'm happy to be living in a time when you get the western and the eastern and the ancient with the information all, yes <laughs> because of the tech right the tech world information technology is giving us access to information that, you know, I would have, I would have, you know, 40, 50 years ago, actively gone into a library to look up a book on ancient medicine. But this is the thing. And I think that with, with the path of individuation, individuating, becoming more whole, reclaiming parts of yourself, you start to tap into um, your own spirituality. Because you start to see that I am not just a physical being. In fact, Mm -hmm. most of what I'm made of, if you put your, you know, blood cells under a microscope most of it is nothingness is 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 space so i there is more of me that is space and nothingness non-physical matter that you start to access that when you become more awakened to your whole self your true self we ask everyone to rank themselves in the powerful lady scale if zero is the most average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine where would you rank yourself today and on an average day Oh gosh, I, I'm the, I'm all, I'm zero to 10. So, and I think that, you know, this is probably not the most professional answer, but I think that this is the humanness 
of myself. And I think only recently I've learned to embrace the humanness of myself, which is there are days. I mean, I could tell you the days this week that I was like, yeah, Friday <laughs> I felt this way, Monday. I was like embodied. I'm on it. I feel like I know myself and I feel it. And you're just like, you're in a state of flow and like things are coming your way. And then something comes up to be purged. And that's really as simple as it is. And in those moments, we forget who we are. I forget who I, you know, I, even I forget. And it's, and so it's, I know that the intention is to stay neutral, right? And I think ironically, the more that I've accepted the ups and downs um, and my humanness, the more that I actually have become neutral. And I'm like, oh, here it is again. Okay. And I'm at a low point. I have doubts. Okay. But I know that's not who I am. Or sometimes I forget. I'm like, oh my God, life is ending. You know, it's like my inner voice is very dramatic. I'm an Aries. I'm a fire sign. So like the inner voice is like, everything's amazing or everything's horrible. So I'm all of it. We also know that the Powerful Ladies community is the big and powerful community that often has the next key that you're looking for. So how can we help? What do you need? what's on your to-do list or to manifest list that we can help with. Oh, that's wonderful. Thanks for offering. Actually, I was looking for, um, I need a good photographer. Uh, <laughs> I need, I need, uh, I need to get new headshots. Um, I've got and, people for you. Oh, fantastic. And, um, I really, I, and I'm, I'm, I would like to start my own podcast as well. And, mm-hmm. and I keep putting that off. Um, because I think the tech aspect of it kind of intimidates me, which is so silly because you literally, this is like the phone is like, here's your podcast, (laughs) here's your mic and everything. Um, but that would be great resources for, for those Mm -hmm. two. For everyone who wants to meet you, find you, follow you, connect, hire you, where can they do those things? Wonderful. Um, so I'm on Instagram and you can find me at, uh, this life fulfilled. And um, as well as I'm open to email if anyone's interested. Um, like I said, I by the time this podcast comes out, I will be certified as an emotion code practitioner. So that is an additional modality that I'm adding um, to my coaching. People can just receive emotion code release sessions if they have physical ailments, if they have anxiety. It it is useful for any subject, and it is so much faster. Um, but the two together go hand in hand as well. The coaching with the conscious mind and the shadow work as well as the emotion code. And you can email me at shoddy at intuit, I-N-T-U-I-T dash coaching.com. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much. This has been great. And I can't wait to hear everyone's reaction to this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All the links to connect with Shadi and her coaching are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you're listening and come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. Connect directly with me at caraduffy.com and on Instagram, Kara underscore Duffy. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode and new amazing guest. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.